So I want to talk about two things tonight. <clears throat> be real up front with you. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the lordship of Jesus Christ and how important that is, the lordship of Jesus Christ. And secondly, I want us to take some time and look at, um, kind of just, just kind of scratch the surface a little bit, but just touch on the, on the topic of our personal rights, our rights as believers. Um, I think it's important that we spend just a little time here. And those two topics kind of relate to each other. They may seem a little distant from each other, like, what? But, uh, but I hope it'll make sense more as we talk about it. So just a general background. Obviously, we live in the United States of America. And praise God, right? And two things, there's probably a zillion things, but two things for sure that I think Americans value are there, and actually even would fight for and have fought for, are our personal rights and freedoms. We value that as Americans. Um, and that's good. Um, in a kind of a personal sense, in our own personal, um, kind of figuring out what's, what, our, what, what our personal rights are, I think we, we generally come up with those each of us personally, based on probably our upbringing, <clears throat> our life experience, our sense of fairness. But we all have, tonight, this sense of what's, what's, what's right. <laughs> and your personal rights that we obviously want people to respect and to honor. Um, rights have been a focus of our government from the founding of our nation. Declaration of Independence, 1776, I had to think about that. 1776, one of the paragraphs that if you learned in fifth grade, you probably learned this one. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable what? Rights. Rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So even our founding fathers felt that the creator... I didn't want to just say God, I guess, but the creator was uh, interested in our rights, and I know he is. So I'm thankful that they wrote that into the Constitution. I'm, I'm thankful for their wisdom and their sacrifice. But I guess more to the point, I think we all value our personal sense of what our rights are in this world, our personal rights. When I meet folks, which I do often, who are struggling in relationships as a pastor, I sit and talk to them. Much of what I see in the conflict is somebody feels their rights are being violated or misunderstood or abused by the other person. That's how squabbles happen. You're not respecting my rights or I'm not respecting yours or whatever. That's just, uh, and they get angry about it. And they want to prove the other person's wrong. That's where a lot of Arguments are birthed and all those things because we feel like our rights have been offended. So the Bible, it helps us to understand or should help us to understand God's perspective on what our real rights are as his children. Because in the end of the day, I hope that's what matters. Is what does God think, what would God say about your personal rights? He may say something, he may give a different sense than what we come up with ourselves. But like I said earlier, 
lordship is important because it won't matter what the Bible says. It'll never matter what the Bible says if the lordship of Jesus Christ is not important to you personally. Matt could be up here on any Sunday or some other teacher opening the Bible, talking about whatever Matt talks about, amazing stuff, interesting stuff, godly truth, but it will never matter if the lordship of Jesus Christ does not matter to you. It never will. What will happen is the Bible will be just a book of rules or ideas and inter- or interesting stories. Because if Jesus isn't the Lord of your life, it doesn't matter. When push comes to shove, it won't matter what God said or what God did. It's just the way it is. It's truth. And we can never talk enough about lordship. And we don't talk enough about lordship. It's really, really important. Lordship's really easy. I got a really simple definition. That means God is boss. God's the boss. And if God's the boss, who isn't the boss? Thank you. I'm, you're right. Me. And you too. If God's the boss, Matt would say, what's Matt say? Anything with two heads is a, a monster. I don't know if that's true, but that's a good little quote. I like it. I'm going to steal it for tonight. God needs to be the boss of your life. The term that the Bible would use is Lord of your life. That's what God would say, and it's super important. Listen to what the Bible says. Do you not, this is in for note takers, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. I'll just read it. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. Or do you not know? The Bible says you should know something. That means you should know something. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's how God looks at us. God says, I I own you. I bought you. Oh, what do you mean you bought me? He goes, I bought you. Couldn't have paid more. Could not have paid more for you than I did. I died for you. I was beaten for you. I bought you at the cross. So he's invested in us. (laughs) He couldn't be more invested. Father gave his son. I have a son. I'm not giving my son to die for anybody. Ain't gonna happen. Not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. But God so loved that he gave his son. So the father is invested, the son is invested. And so the lordship is very important to God. And again, if Jesus isn't Lord, it will never matter what you read in here. He must be Lord of all. Another Bible verse, <clears throat> Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Listen to this. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. God says you're dead, and that's a good thing. 
because you're, you're dead, but you're in him. You've been placed in Christ. He needs to be, he wants to be, he should be the Lord of our lives. We're dead men walking. We need, we need an identity. And he's saying, I'm willing to be that. I, w- I want to be your Lord. Another verse, the Bible says this, Romans 12.1, I beseech you, I plead with you, I beg with you. That's what that word means. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present, to present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. See, God says, <clears throat> I, want to, I want you to offer yourself a living sacrifice. Sacrifices were placed on altars. <laughs> sacrifices died. Sacrifices went up in smoke. That's what happened to sacrifices. But we're living sacrifices. That means we have a choice. We can get off the altar. And that's what I do. And I bet you're just like me. You get off the altar sometimes too. The lordship of Christ is something that I have to personally repristinate, maintain, remember in my life. And when I've walked off the altar, and I do often, and perhaps when you do the same, he's really not the Lord of my life. I'm out doing my own thing. And then I guess I just, I'm trusting that our gracious God uh, will call me back, I suppose. I don't even know what I'm thinking when I do that. But I get off the altar because it's convenient to get off the altar. It's awkward to stay in the altar. It's awkward and hard to continually desire Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, but it's critical. If you remember anything at all I talk about tonight, remember that. The Lordship of Christ is paramount in your walk with him. It's paramount to understanding God's word and obeying it. Imagine this. Recently, my wife and I just bought a a car, used car from a local car dealer. And so did the transaction, paid the money. Um, They gave us, uh, I guess, a title. Did they give us a title thing? I guess they did. I hope they did. And maybe that's coming in the mail. I don't even know. But um, gave us some keys and the whole thing. And anyway, I left our car and we drove out their car and we're happy and hopefully they're happy and But imagine tomorrow morning I get up and that car's not there. Right, uh uh-oh. And somehow tracking where that thing went, it ends up, let's say it ends up back at the dealership. And I show up at the dealership and there's that car I just bought that I paid for, that we paid for, you know. I would be, rightfully, I would be like, you gotta be kidding me. Help me know, What, what are you doing here? I bought this thing, you know. And, and what if they just said, you know what? We just always like this car. We like this car on the lot, and we kept an extra set of keys because we like that car so much. So we're going to share this bad dog. Well, that ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. But that is exactly what we do with God. He buys us. He owns us. The title deed of our life is given to him. He couldn't have paid more. He paid way more for us than he should have, Right? And what we do, we just kind of hang under the keys and extra set and kind of just roll when we want to roll. And, you know, if he wants to come find us, it's up to him. That's how we live our lives. Because we're not under the lordship of Jesus. It would offend us if, if someone did it to us. 
it would, I mean, we'd get incensed. Fortunately, he's a gracious and a merciful God. And he, he, he deals with those things kindly. Thank God. But I don't want to be that guy. I just don't want to be that guy. I don't want you to be those people either. So the most important decision you can make in 2018 is this, to continually, and I think it's a continually proclaim to yourself and to others that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life and what he says goes. It's only then, when you get into that mindset in the Christian life, that your faith will make sense and that will flourish. And it won't be until then. It'll never fit. Your faith will never fit until you proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. In fact, the Bible says this, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Salvation comes through confession of what? The Lord Jesus. We often think, well, it's confessing that he died on the cross, that he rose again, that he's in heaven, coming again. Those are good things to confess, but that's not what the Bible says. We make that up. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, that he is your Lord. That's what God's looking for. And it's a, it's a constant confession because I will confess it. I'll think, Lord, okay, Lord, you're the boss. What, what do you want me to do? Where are you going with this thing? What, what, what are your orders? You're the boss. Like bosses give orders, right? What do you want me to do? He's a good boss, by the way. He's a great boss. Couldn't have a better boss, but he's the boss. And then after a while, I get going on some project, and before I know it, I'm just back into my own little whatever world, thinking, figuring it out all by myself. God's wherever I put him, <laughs> and I've taken the car again. I produced the keys, and I don't want to be that guy. And I hope you don't want to be that guy or gal. So the best thing I can tell you for this new year is to just remember, ask God to help you remember that you need to put him the Lord of your life. Often. Always. I wish I could tell you, just do it one time and it's done. And if we all didn't keep keys in our pockets, we could do that. But we all keep keys in our pockets. And we all steal the car back, which is our lives. And so you, you have to keep doing it. But I think the more you do it, I think it just gets easier and better. So that said, I have something to share about personal rights. I'm back to the original topic. I know. Matt would probably never do it that way because he's a lot smarter than I am, but that's the way I'm doing it. Because it doesn't matter what I say next if Jesus isn't the Lord of your life. You'll hear it and you go, okay, nine points. How long did it take? Hmm. Uh, and then they hit the eraser at the door and it's gone because I've been, I've been under that eraser myself. So here's something for you for the new year. I'm going back to the topic of rights. Here, here, are, here are nine <clears throat> rights that we don't have as Christians, okay? We're, always really we're normally really locked into the, the rights that we do have. I'm gonna tell you nine rights that you don't have as a Christian, and there's probably 90 or 900. I don't know, but I just have nine right here tonight. Ready? Here we go. And it's all based, the only way this would even matter, what I'm going to say next, is if Jesus is your Lord. So if Jesus is your Lord, number one, we don't have the right to have a comfortable, secure home. You know that? That's not our right. 
as believers, to have a comfortable, secure home. It's just not all right. You may have it, which is awesome. I have that. It's cool. But it's not a right to have a comfortable, secure home. Luke 9, 57 and 58 says this. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road, this would be Jesus and his disciples, that someone said to him, him being Jesus, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have their holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. That's reality. Should we get it better than Jesus? I mean, really? We do have it better than Jesus, but should we? Does, does he owe us some other lifestyle than what he lived? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I think sometimes we think, maybe it's just me, that all this stuff that we have, the homes and the stuff that's in the homes and the stuff that's in the garage and the stuff that's in the storage places that didn't fit into our garages, all that stuff, what we'll say is, I've said it, I've heard you say it, God's just blessed me. God just blessed me. God blessed me, Bless me with this stuff, more stuff, new stuff, not the old stuff. The old stuff that once was new, but now it's old. There's newer stuff, God. There's nicer stuff. And you know what? I don't know what God would say, but I think he says something like this. I'm not blessing you with that stuff. I think you're just blessing yourselves with that stuff. I'm not into the, into the thing of blessing us with stuff. We don't, we don't have that guarantee in life. You may have, I want to have a nice home. I have a nice home. I'm hoping I always get a nice home, but it's not a guarantee. God doesn't owe me that. He doesn't owe me the home. He doesn't owe me what's in the home. He doesn't owe me the car we just got. It's all just grace. That's all just, it's just kindness. It's just him putting up with my greediness, probably. It's probably what it is. It can be. So, number one, we don't have the right, we're speaking of rights here, to have a comfortable, secure home. Number two, we don't have the right to a good reputation. We don't have the right to completely pursue a good reputation. Now, qualify that a little bit. I think it's good to try to have a good reputation. I hope you're trying to have, I hope you're, I hope you're getting, I hope I'm, people are looking at me t- tonight that, that have good reputations among friends, family, coworkers. I hope that's true. But the text is here. It says, blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. So, so what it's saying there is there are going to be people that if you're really living for Jesus and if he's the Lord of your life, There are going to be people because he's the Lord of your life and you talk about him because he's going to want you to talk about him and because he's the Lord of your life, you're going to obey him when he asks you, when he prompts you to talk about him. They're going to go, you are a nut job for believing in him. You got to be kidding me. You believe in that. God is this, God is that, God is whatever they think he is. And you know what? It's hard and I don't like it. I like it less than any of you. I don't like it. I, I, so, I don't do good in that situations like that. I just kind of like, I don't know how to respond a lot of times. So I will avoid those situations like the plague. And I think, well, I'm a pastor. They know I'm a pastor. Maybe if I'm just a really nice guy and I'm a pastor, maybe 
that will be good enough. That's me, a lot. I don't go that extra proclaiming him, you know, like I could. I do to you, but it's really hard for me outside of you guys to do that. It's just not my norm. It just stretches me like crazy because I don't want people to think weird of me. My bad. If Jesus was more Lord of my life, that wouldn't be such a problem because the Bible says I'm not guaranteed a good reputation. That's what it says. Number three. Three. Number three. Number three, we don't have the right to spend money however we please. We don't have the right. God would not say you have the right to spend money wherever you please. Matthew 6, 19 says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not steal. For where your treasure is, what? There your heart. I love that verse. There your heart will be also. For where your treasure is. We don't have the right to spend money however we please. And it's a little bit like the first thing we talked about. I just think, you know, I I did a memorial service on Saturday and I did one on Monday. The one on Monday was, you know, was like at a a, a graveside and the coffin, the whole deal. You know, she she didn't have much in there. (laughs) Just her. So all she was taking. Just her. Couldn't get anything else in there. Wasn't room. She just went alone with clothes on her back. I guess that's all you get in a coffin. There's no room. I think we'd all do better maybe in this new year. Just to, I think more is less somehow. I don't know how you do that in your own life. I've been kind of, last year I started kind of thinning out some things. I wish I could say I was doing it for spiritual reasons. I just didn't have any room to get through my garage. So I just started Craigslist and stuff and just kind of, um, but the thinner I get my life, I just, it's better somehow because what's left is people. It's just what's left is people and people are good. So we don't have the right to spend money however we please. Number four, we don't have the right, if Jesus is Lord, we don't have the right to be honored and served. We don't have the right to be honored and served. Mark 10, 43 and 44 says this, and whatever And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We don't have the right to be honored and served. And some of you might think, well, I'm I'm kind of a servant. Well, and, and you might be. That's awesome if you are. But most of the time, for most of us, we serve the people we love. It's pretty easy. And normally they give you something back. That's kind of how we roll with service, a lot of us. I know a couple years ago we had, I don't know if some of you might have been involved with it, the warming, sh- warming shelter, we call it, warming shelter, at the office. Remember that? We had it on Tuesday nights. And so uh, I, I, you know, I go down there to kind of check it out once in a while. Those people understand this. <laughs> Those people, you people, who came to love on people that were really having a tough time in the winter, homeless, um, would spend the night, Tuesday nights at the office. You know, I, I was just taken back by how beautiful 
some of those people, all those people really, but cer- certain things like some of the gals would, you know, like uh, wash their wash the wash guys and gals' feet and cut their toenails and like put new socks on. My brain's just going, I don't think so. I don't. I no. I don't do that. I'd maybe cut my wife's toenails, maybe, and probably wash her feet, maybe. I don't know. Have to work through that even, but. I'm gonna wash, and I'm gonna wash those that that dude's no, no, uh, uh-uh. uh, then not me, because it's she's easier to serve. That cat's hard to serve. That's gonna be awkward. But I loved it, and it was just it just bent my mind, which is really good, really good for me that we had that. I so appreciated. Um, people's willingness to, to serve. But we don't have a right to be honored personally and to serve. Number five, if Jesus is Lord, number five, we don't have the right, this is an important one, if Jesus is Lord, we don't have the right to understand God, we don't have the right to understand God's plan before we obey it. If Jesus is Lord, we do not have the right from God's economy to understand God's plan before we obey it. Hebrews 11.8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. That was Abraham's story. See, God, God values faith. God can actually, in a sense, almost like weigh our faith. And then he can, in a, in a sense, grade our faith. And our faith is critically important to him. The quality, the, 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 weight, the weight of our faith is something that God will, he treasures, and he will reward for eternity, that faith. That's just how God is. That's what God treasures. That may not be what we treasure, but that's what God values. But we don't have the right to understand God's plan before we obey. We just don't. You're not always going to get it. Sometimes God's going to prompt you to do something if he's your Lord. And if he's your Lord, you'll do it because he's your Lord. And it won't go anything, anything like you thought it would. Anything. Like that was not good. I really thought God wanted me to, hmm, and I, hmm, I went out on a limb and I, whatever. And it was really not good. Really went bad. I must have not heard him right. I'm never going to do that again. That's just not true. Very likely God wanted you exactly what you did. It's just, we do the math differently than him. We think da-da-da equals success. If God's going to tell me, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. He's going to. Thumbs up, first place on this. Yeah. Different math. He does different math. So sometimes when God's growing our faith, because our faith is important to him, he'll have you do some things that are like, okay, I kind of out on the limb here and it doesn't go well, but I did it as best I could. Didn't get the results I thought I would. And maybe it happens again. I think God has kind of prompt me to do this thing and I did it and it didn't go very good. But I did it because he's the Lord. And then he asks you to do something. And you get this remarkable, amazing, 
you just get this thing that happens. It's like, whoa, that's awesome. God will test our faith. That's what it means to test our faith. He tests our faith to see of what quality it is. Will we continue to obey even if things don't equal what we thought they would have when we, when we did obey? So we don't have the right to understand God's plan before we obey. Number six, we don't have a right as Christians, if Jesus is Lord, to hold a grudge. Don't have that right. Don't have it. <laughs> let it go. It's a new year anyway. Let it go. Colossians 3, 12 and 13. Therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even Christ, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. We have no right to hold a grudge. Can't do it. We've got to forgive. Now, does that mean if we do forgive, we have no right to hold a grudge? Okay. Does that mean we automatically have to trust that person again? No. Doesn't mean that. That's something that they have to earn again, perhaps. Maybe they'll never earn that back. But we have to forgive. You have no right. I have no right. We have no right. There's n there should be nobody that leaves here tonight with a grudge, something unforgiven, no matter how deeply you've been offended. And some of you have been offended very, 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 very deeply. And I wished it wasn't so. But he forgave all of our grievance. He forgave everything that needs to be forgiven. When he said it was finished, it was finished on the cross. He looked at the whole of my life, past, present, future, and everything, every sin was wiped away, and yours too. And he says, now, I want you to forgive like that, radically, completely, all of it. That's what he wants. We have no right as Christians to hold a grudge. Number seven, we don't have the right to be known as a complainer. We do not have the right to be known as a complainer. And there are some Christians I know, I'm just going to say it right now, you're kind of complainers, all right? I'm just saying it. There's a guy I know at this church that I've known now for about, I don't know, six, seven years. See him pretty frequently. To this day, he has never, ever, ever said one nice thing about anybody or anything. And I don't know what he says about me when he's not around me. He never, not one time. Every single time he talks, something's wrong, something's broken, something, and it's just like, whoa, we have no right to be known as a complainer. Philippians 2.14, do all things, what does all mean? All means all, do all things without complaining and disputing. We have no right to be a complainer. Now, what does that mean? That, that means we can critique things. We can critique things. That's okay. We should critique things. We should do that. That's okay. But we have to guard that as we're critiquing things in life, which we should do, that we don't become critical because a lot of critiquing normally leads to kind of a critical spirit and a critical spirit uncaptured becomes a complaining spirit. And it's just, God says, no, you have no right. You have no right to do that. Jesus should have been the greatest complainer there was. I mean, look at what, look what he put up with. The doughhead disciples, right? They're, they're, they're like unbelievable. They're unbelievable. 
And then you look at Genesis, everybody in Genesis. I'm not like, those guys are doughheads too. We're all doughheads. It's just we are. It's just crazy. But he never complains. He never complains. Number eight. If Jesus is Lord, we don't have the right to put self first. If Jesus is Lord, because none of this matters if Jesus isn't Lord. It'll all go bye-bye when you go bye-bye. It'll just go bye-bye. But if Jesus is Lord, he'll take these words and like seed and plant them in your heart and they will produce a harvest of righteousness. But if he's not Lord, you'll have a hard, stony heart and the birds will come on your way home or about that door and pick the seed out, Matthew 13, and there'll be nothing from tonight. That's why it's so important that we continually repristinate the idea of the lordship of Jesus. Number eight, again, we don't have the right to put self first. Philippians 2.3 says this, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but on lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Now, I don't want to take anything from that, but... There's always the other side of the coin here. Does that mean everybody's better than me or everybody's better than you? I don't think so. It doesn't mean that. It means we esteem them better than ourselves. doesn't mean I'm just a terrible yuck, you know, just, I'm just like pond scum. I'm like an amoeba. No, none of us knew. Nope. We're so much, we're more than conquerors in Christ. We can do all things through Christ, who strengthens. We're, we're something because of him. We're something if he's the Lord of your life. But <clears throat> so it doesn't mean people are better than us, but it, it means that we simply choose to honor them like they are. It would look like we think that to esteem others better than yourself. So we have no right to put ourselves first. We have no right to do that. We may think we do. We may give ourselves reasons to, I guess, but we have no right. Not really. No God-given right. And last but not least, we don't have the right to rebel against authority. We don't have the right, if Jesus is Lord, to rebel against authority. Second Peter 2.13 says this, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as those who are sent by him, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do, who do good doesn't mean we can't work for change in government. We can. doesn't mean we shouldn't vote. It doesn't mean we couldn't get involved in politics. It doesn't mean any of that. But it means whatever we do, we do it with all respect and honor for those in authority over us and that they should know that. That does not happen a lot. I mean, it really, we live in crazy times right now. I mean, I'm not right. It's like, oh, headache when I look at some of the things that happens in our government, you know, the fighting and the posturing and, and I'm not going to change that. It's going to be what it's going to be, but I don't have to join that. I don't have to encourage that. I don't have to, to fan that flame. You just, we, we, we need to honor what's happening. Whether you like this president or you like the last president, we just honor the position it's really, really important that Christians live like that. There's a huge testimony in that. Because a lot of people that don't 
understand Christianity kind of label us in certain ways with certain colors, red mainly, <laughs> and just say Christianity is not liking something or somebody. That's Christianity. That's Christians. It's a terrible testimony. Terrible. So that's what I'm sharing for tonight. So again, I'm going to run through those. And I want you to pick one. If there is one, I want you to pick one. Say, yep, that's the one I think as Jesus is Lord of my life tonight, that's the one that I think God's impressing upon my heart, that truth. We don't have the right to have a comfortable, secure home. We don't have the right to have a good reputation. Maybe it's that one. We don't have the right to spend money however we please. We don't have the right to be honored or served. We don't have the right to understand God's plan before we obey. We don't have a right to hold a grudge. We don't have a right to be known as a complainer. We don't have the right to put self first. And we don't have the right to rebel, rebel against authority. You guys all grab one. Did you grab one? Raise your hand if you grabbed one of those. You said, yeah, that's kind of for me. Okay? So let's close in prayer. So Jesus, I know that you know all things. And you know which hands went up, Lord. And you know which hands didn't go up. But still your spirit speaking, Lord God. And Jesus, we want to be people in this new year, really, that look at our rights through the lens of scripture. We want to look at our rights in a way that is right, according to your word, according to your lordship in our life. Lord, we're surrounded, surrounded by people who demand their rights, and rights are now being thrown up against other rights, and it takes judges and it takes all kinds of things to figure this stuff out and that's okay I guess but Jesus I want us to be different not for different sake but because you are the Lord of our life and that we want to submit to your word and submit to what you say is right for us to think and to do and to believe so Jesus, in this new year, perhaps more than anything else, I pray, God, that you would be being continually established as the Lord of our lives, that we would allow you to be our boss and that we would be here daily to serve you, not you serving us, not you doing things for us all the time. Lord, you're a good God and you do things for us. You're a gracious and a merciful God. But Jesus, I pray that this year would be a year of service to you and a year of following you for each person in this room that is like no other year they've ever experienced. That in 2018, at the end of this year, they would be able to look back and say, truly, 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 I sought Jesus. I sought him. I sought his lordship in my life. And in doing so, Lord, your word came alive and your ways came alive. And so, Lord, help us in this. It's one thing to hear it on a Wednesday night. It's another thing to do it on a Thursday morning. So, Jesus, help us to establish you as Lord of our lives. And, Lord, help us to live in the right way with our rights as only you can. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great evening.